This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to Voice of Change today. It is Lauren Jacobs and it is Kate Pulpit. Welcome to the show. We're going to have a wonderful time together as always. I hope that you've been enjoying your Women's Month. I hope that Women's Day was also a blessing for you and that whatever you did was good and that God really met you. And I pray that as a woman, God is speaking to you today and that as, you know, his child, that he is ministering to you in this hour, in this season. We know that there's been a lot of conversation around different women's issues and women's empowerment during this month and of course the all-important issues of gender-based violence abuse and the realities facing women and there's been much talk about that as well but today we really want to just be in a space and i want you to be welcomed into a space where we're going to be talking to someone today who has overcome her own realities her own tragedies her own obstacles to be who she is today and i'm welcoming on to the show to have a really interesting and informative heartfelt conversation with me today Thakira Muhammad now Thakira is an author she's written her book called Mercy and Mercy is really about her life story but also a call to woman Thakira has lived through incredible abuse when she was younger but also just being born into a culture where you know certain things had to be and certain things were expected of her especially as a girl as a woman and also just the the kind of stigmas attached to culture and what it places on women and that's really going to be a key focus today you know talking about culture talking about women and you know Thakira is also a multi-award winner for her vision for being a revolutionary in standing for women in standing up against any in injustices that happen to women taking on a lot of you know powerful leaders religious leaders and just really being a person of influence and also just a person who is a humanitarian because she cares about other people now i must say at the beginning of the show that the kira you know is coming on to the show to share her life story and to share not only her life story but her message with the world you know mercy was birthed out of her own journey of healing and also just working in an interfaith reality of of connecting with women from different faith communities and groups to hear their stories and to also tell her story and to see how women could assist one another you know from different faith communities from different class communities from different race communities and she is a powerful activist and it is so great to have her with me on the show and she is doing some incredible work and and she'll be doing even more in the future so it's exciting and you know i want you to be in the space where we are actually listening to a fellow sister of a different faith but who also has so much in common with us when we talk about gender-based violence when we talk about overcoming when we talk about what it means to not have culture define you or or just you know the systems and structures that we are birthed into but to overcome those to find our own unique identity so it's going to be a great show as we continue to celebrate women's month here on voice of change don't go anywhere because the kira is with me after this
Thakira, it is amazing to have you with me today. I know that we're going to have quite a powerful show, but also a show that is going to be very, very challenging sometimes. I know that you're going to be sharing your story, your truth, and so much of what you have lived in your life and the power that you bring to the world and your heart convictions. And before we get into that, welcome to the listeners who are joining us, but also welcome to you. It's so good to have you with me today. Good evening, my beloved conscious queen. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity of allowing me and so many others to voice the truth. I'm really excited and um, I'm really excited to engage with the listeners. And I pray and I hope that whatever comes from this interview, people learn from and we allow them to speak their truth because of the truth that we speak. Mm, sure, I love that. And speaking of truth, you know, when we think of life, we all start off life somewhere. We all have a culture that we are born into. We have religious beliefs we are born into. We have an identity that's formed even from the very, you know, youngest moments that we probably can't even remember. We are born into a family. We are born into different beliefs. We're born into a culture. We're born into a city. And, and we know we're almost born into a frame of reference that is shaped by you know, our family and our ancestors and everything that has happened before. And yet we have to sometimes differentiate between what is culture and, and what is it that we really are and who we really are. And with that, I want to, I want to ask you to, you know, kind of take us into your beginning, you know, how, how everything happened in your life and you've got a powerful, you know, deep, deep voice message that you want to share with us. And I'd love to ask you, you know, about your very, very beginnings and knowing, yes, I was born into a culture, I was born into something certain, but I'm discovering myself or who I am. Lauren, I just want to say thank you so much once again for the opportunity of allowing me to voice my truth, of allowing me to voice my uh, my journey and, and, and how it is that we've gotten to this point. And I think and I feel that the best way to do this is by reciting a piece of my book titled Mercy. And um, I, wrote, I wrote this piece called Dear Dutiful Daughter. And it speaks in a lot about what we are going to be touching on and speaking about today. So if you don't mind, can I, can I read a piece? Mm, yes, definitely. All right. So it starts off with Dear Dutiful Daughter. Being born an Indian female held no majesty to me. There was no crown placed upon my head the day that I became a woman in my community. Indian wasn't a title of worthiness, but rather of inferiority and inequality. The sash that life placed on my body, which held my credentials, was made from Samira fabric smelling cloaks and samosa oil smelling aprons. There's a racial stigma associated to slavery. It's mostly seen in history for those who guard into darker shade. I too was born into that color palette. I too fought the battle of slavery even though it was cultural. As I write this, I marvel at my bravery. I fought hard for my liberation within the constraints of my culture. I knew that life was meant to be more than what it was for me and my sisters. I consciously began chipping away chunks of my own skin, believing that with each chip, I destroyed egotistical perceptions of who I was supposed to be. I did not want to be defined by others any longer. In that moment, I realized that I was not my culture, 
I was not my clan. In that moment, I realized that I was just a human, a woman. I realized that I was the breaker of my own chains. And so I chose what I believe was best for me and broke them. And now I live as a free woman. I shall always be categorized as Indian, but Indian will never, ever be able to be categorized who I am. Mm. So that's just a piece from, from my book called Mercy. And I feel and I believe that the reason I started with this is exactly about what we're speaking about, the difference between culture and religion. And, you know, Lauren, when I wrote this piece, parts of my soul and my body broke because I had to realize and I had to understand that I had to segregate myself from religion and from culture. And going back into what you said in the start of the interview, which is so powerful, and I said that, I, I say this normally, is that every child that is born is born in a state of pure consciousness. Yes. So when a baby is born, there is, they are untainted. They are so pure. But because of either culture, because of society, because of government, because of how they were brought up, they then get either stigmatized or categorized or have to be a certain person because of how they were brought up. And I believe that this interview, this interview is so important to make them understand that yes, culture is a part of us, but it does not define us. Mm. And um, this is why we're doing the interview today. Mm. Mm. I love that as well. I was reading something last week, even even on a, a kind of a different level, but where it, science proves that children, you're talking about the purity of children as well as, you know, children, it's a scientific belief that children are all born as geniuses. Every single one of us are born with an intelligence level that is so incredibly high that we can almost dream about being anything and achieving that. And yet, you know, it's also proven then that as we grow up, because of the school system, often our education we receive, yes, our families, our, our you know, situation we're born into, as well as the beliefs and opinions of other people that are placed on us, the things that are said to us, the things that break us down, you know, that we begin to doubt ourselves. We, we lose confidence in who we are and we lose confidence in our abilities, in our worth, in everything that we are and that we have being created to bring to the world we know you know in in the bible it says that god knit you together in your mother's womb you know he knows the days of your life before you live them you know you made with it actually says you made with a tapestry of beautiful colors we are so beautifully made so unique and yet you know the world and again it's culture it's belief it's like you also said your situation born into government whatever it is it removes that identity from you I would love to know from you what I know that you have written this book called Mercy and it's incredible. It shares your story of really overcoming, of being a victor of violence, of abuse, of all of those things. And you have had to walk in an incredible journey to discover your personal identity. Tell us a bit about that. What is your journey and your kind of your walk really looks like to discover who you are? Like you say, at, at the end of that piece, it's about knowing who you are. It's about knowing you are a woman and liberated and walking in a certain level of freedom, which will increase, I believe, over time as well. 
tell us a bit about your personal journey that you've taken, because like I said, you've overcome a lot of things that have been really, really intense. Absolutely. So I believe that everyone's story is unique and I believe that everyone has, man, everyone goes through traumas, right? And I don't believe that God will burden someone with more than they can take. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I always make a joke. You know, they say that God gives his um, test to his toughest soldiers. Yes. I always I always make a joke with God. And I was like, God, I wanted to be a ballerina, man. You know, <laughs> you could have made me yes. a ballerina. But I understand the contract that I taken out before I came to this world, right? And I think when people understand the contract and they understand the why and they understand the purpose, um, you know, it doesn't matter who you lose. It only matters the truth you speak about what you had gone through and not to name and shame, but rather to liberate yourself out of the toxicity of the mindset that culture and society has indoctrinated upon us to level up, to become a free woman. So my journey with abuse started at a very, very, very young age. Um, and, you know, it started at the age of, uh, at the age of five and, you know, it started with a religious leader and, you know, for a long time, time in my life um you know because this religious leader was he was so man he was so eloquent he was he was my teacher and mm. you know he he was a quran teacher and i fell in love with the way he articulated the book of god so i'm a muslim right mm -hmm. yeah. and the way he articulated and the way he sung the praises of god it really really shook like it shook it shook my soul it shook my core and for this same religious leader who i held in such high regard to be the one to uh, to to be my molester that mm -hmm. really started my journey of um what is the difference between religion and what is the difference between someone who has been born in a state of purity mm -hmm. but has gone through something in their lives to make them the person that they are now where they be abusers where they be molesters where they be rapists and i'm not condoning their behavior yeah. but once you understand that we were all born like you said in this you know in this light and and we got thrown into into kind of places where maybe we didn't want to be in it then creates these kind of people that look for outlets. And unfortunately, the outlets are of detriment to those that they that, that they kind of outlet on, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. So so for a long time, coming from um, an Indian Indian background, and I'm not talking about an Islamic background, an Indian background, mm -hmm. we were told that, you know, we need to keep quiet, we need to keep silent. Mm. Um because of the embarrassment it could cause to family dynamics and for a long time I sat with that you know mm. um and 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 I couldn't understand how how my lord was so unjust because mm. I don't believe in an unjust god you know yeah. and um and, and, and for a long time during my life, obviously, you see, when your blueprint of, of, of intimacy starts with a violation, mm. um, it, 
it's really, really difficult for women to kind of um, bridge the gap to understand what it is that they deserve. So what had happened from such a young age is because it was so brutal, I then started, um, you know, I started craving brutality because Mm. I thought that this was the way. This was how it was supposed to be. And, you know, having having this person obviously indoctrinate your mind. And, um, you know, they always say that that the abusers like to give sweets, right? Because sweets yeah. and chocolates, that, that kind of that kind of um, it, it creates endorphins so that you, you kind of forget what you went through. And I I started resenting sweets. And chocolates because I was literally dying in my pain mm-hmm. and I couldn't voice it. I was five years old. I didn't know what was going on. And um, it then so happened that um, I moved away and I came back to, to, to the city that I was born in. And the abuse then got really, really, really um intense it got Mm. really intense I was 12 years old not knowing what's going on and that kind of started taking chips out of my soul Mm. it kind of made me go into a space where I didn't know who I was where I didn't know what was expected of me where I would I would literally um, do anything just to be accepted you know, um, whatever uh, circumstance, not knowing who I am. And, you know, it's taken me 30 years. So, so my first book, My Mercy was published in, uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me 30 years to voice my truth. But when this happened, Lauren, is a couple of years ago. um, So you see girls or women um, that have gone through this brutality at such a young age um, they develop you know cancer in their wombs in their ovaries at a later stage should the abuse not have been treated and you know I was fine and the one day I collapsed at work went to a gynae and I had cancer and I was like how is this even possible and you know going through this cancer journey I realized that my body had gone through so much that I didn't Mm. voice that I was literally dying within the toxicity of myself and Mm. hence the cancer surfacing. And um, about four or five years ago, I decided, so the doctor told me that I have stage four and that I have a month to live. And uh, I told myself, you know, I can die and no one will ever know. Or I can speak my truth and literally die being a liberated woman that has spoken my truth. Mm. And that's when I kind of started with my journey. And I started blogging, you know, just about my my journey and whatever it is that I've been going through. And, um, you know, from there, man, God is just good because if you speak in truth with no ego, but just mm. kind of voicing your truth in, in aid of helping people that are going through the same thing you're going through, um, it, 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 it more becomes a liberation for yourself and therefore makes you stronger 
to liberate others. And um, a couple of years ago, well, not a couple of years ago, last year, um, I lost my fifth child. And when I lost my fifth child, I started dying. I started dying and I thought to myself, what have I not voiced? Why am I losing them? And man, that's when I started really, really taking on my voice. That is when I really started taking on my truth. That is when I really started, you know, not worrying what culture is going to think of me, what the people in the community is going to think of me, what society is going to think of me. I then started doing this for my own liberation, Mm -hmm. for my own revolution. And in that, with God's help and God's grace, so many women have come out with these stories. So many women have come out with their truths. And that for me, that for me is more important mm-hmm. than, you know, than anything, you know. Um, yeah. It, it's, it just helped. Sorry, it, it kind of, uh, it links to, I was thinking now while I was listening to you speak about how, we teach to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Oftentimes people think, oh, we just got to love our neighbor, but they, they forget about the second part. It's as you love yourself, as you accept yourself, as you find yourself, as you grow in your identity, as you, you, it's about yourself. You have to discover who you are. And you also have to have that self-love. You also have to have that self-worth. And you've got to look at yourself and know what is the truth that is within you. And, and how can we, we can only meet people as deep as we have gone with ourselves. We can only meet them to the depth that we travel within our own selves. And we can only love them in that way. And I was thinking of that now while you were speaking and thinking that is a teaching almost all on its own that you've given to us this wisdom, you know, that we have to take hold of to say, how well do I know myself? Do I know my identity? Do I know what, you know, know the truth that God has called me to speak or to live in? Or do I live in a, in a place where I feel disempowered because maybe things have happened, maybe I am in an abusive marriage or in an abusive relationship. Maybe I've been through something in my past that is still keeping me bound. And how is that keeping me from accessing the fact that I have worth, I have value, but I also have truth to bring to the world. And I almost want that just to kind of land a little bit with the listeners, because I think it's an important reality and something we have to think about. There is so much in this short space of time, the Kira that you have shared with us. I'm going to let this land. We're going to go to a quick music break. I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to stay tuned because we're still with the Kira and we're still going to be talking about culture, religion, empowerment, woman, and everything that that means. So enjoy the song, but don't go anywhere. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs, and it's Voice of Change Time. Welcome to the show. I hope that you've been with me from the beginning because we are having a very powerful, important conversation with the Kira Muhammad and... The Kira is, you know, just been sharing a lot about her journey to find her identity. And I pray and hope that during the song break, you took some time to think, what is it that God is calling me to do? What is my identity? What is the truth that is in my heart? Has something been holding me back from speaking up, from speaking out? Now, the Kira, you mentioned before we went to the song break, something that's incredibly, incredibly important. And it is about, you know what, a woman being able to 
find their truth and to speak their story. We know that a few years ago when the Me Too movement came out and when women started saying Me Too, although it sounds like quite a, a negative thing to say, you know, okay, yes, Me Too, it happened to Me Too, it did create a space and a reality where women felt that they could suddenly speak. We also had other hashtags that came out. One of them was hashtag church too. And that is because you were touching on earlier on, you know, religious leaders and, and not a Christian religious leader, but a religious leader that commits abuse. We have seen this in many, many different faiths and, and religious beliefs. And we cannot deny that. We cannot deny that it is a it is a sad truth and a part of what is happening in congregations across religious beliefs. And women need to be able to find themselves in a space where they say, this has happened to me and I do want to share my story. And I want to touch on that. And one of the things that I also want to say is sometimes don't we shame culture, shames women when they come out and share their story. And oftentimes a woman will only share their story many years later. And then people turn around and say, well, why didn't she speak out then? You know, why is she coming forward 10 years later or five years later or whatever? And then there's almost that shame that's put on on a woman. And how important is it uh, through what you've discovered, women beginning to speak up and wanting to share their stories? We know that men are also, we want to say that as well, I think today as well, that men are also victims and survivors. And just for the context of our conversation, we are talking about women. But how important is it for women to speak up and and that reality that we have to unlearn the culture of what we do to survivors. Okay. So, Lauren, what you said before the break really, really triggered me. So, uh, loving thy neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. Um, you see, I love the facts that we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves, right? But how many of us love ourselves if we keep giving ourselves from a cup of scarcity? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so um, one of my life coaches always tells me that you need to learn to dance in the paradoxical space that separates the yin from the yang. He always tells me that and I couldn't understand what it meant. And I asked him, what do you mean by this? He says, my darling, you cannot give from a cup of scarcity, mm. right? So it took me a long time to sit with that. So uh, we should love ourselves right? Where our cup is overflowing enough to love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Because what I find happens is that we take on our neighbor's problems. We take on our neighbor's traumas, mm -hmm. but in that we silence ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is the cup of scarcity. So that's the first thing I want to bring across. The other thing that I want to bring across is if our neighbor's had loved us as we should be like, as we should love them and they should love us, then why aren't our neighbors our safe havens? Why can't we go into the communities and actually speak to women about this? Why is it shunned upon no matter how old you are, no matter, no matter what you went through, you know, there's, there's been women at 60 and 70 years old that has been messaging me that wants this story to be told at this age because their perpetrators have passed on, their yeah. families have passed 
on and now it's their time to voice their truths mm. and you know some of the women still say but i don't want my name i don't want um people to know who i am because i have grandchildren i have great grandchildren and i find that really sad look each to their own the reason mm-hmm. i find it sad is that it doesn't matter how old you are to break the generational curse of voicing your truth mm. and if you do that even at 60 or 70 what legacy does that create in your family and generational dynamic for the woman in your family to start speaking their truth if you as a grandmother has started does that make sense lauren yeah so um so in 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 terms of that i believe that you see social media doesn't like stories like ours they don't like um you know people that have gone through people don't like to read about pain they mm-hmm. like to read about gossip and they like to read about you know things that doesn't even that doesn't even help society mm. so our stories our untold stories our stories that are actually relevant don't get voiced and you know i believe that this is where i come in um that i want to be the one to voice the stories of the women who are unable to voice their truths mm. where they be that they don't give their identities but just voicing their truth is so important to them to get mm. that liberation imagine you at the age of 70 years old getting trauma for 70 odd years mm. and you're going to die with this pain yeah. you're going to die in this pain and that's not what i want that's not what i foresee our woman to be that's not what i foresee um you know uh this 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 gender based violence that's why it's still called gender based violence why mm. is it called gender based violence why is it not called gender based victims mm. why are we not victims because when we when we stigmatize and when we use words like violence it means it is still something that is so rife mm. it means that it's that it's ongoing that we are not stopping and bringing back to you know you spoke about the me too you spoke about the am i next i spoke about this uh, a couple i think last year when these hashtags came out right mm-hmm. so hashtag me too hashtag am i next what message does this give to our woman yes we can now say me too i was yeah. also a victim of that mm. but the am i next you know mm. does that create fear i don't like that i don't like that well, i don't like that one at all and i know a lot of I women do not like it absolutely what and and what about me too mm. me too do you know what i mean that yep. creates it's so fear driven as well that yeah. now you saying that this had happened to you am i now a target again mm. you know and it exposed so many women's vulnerabilities that so many women when the am i next came out yeah. went into a state of seclusion mm. went into a state of depression because they started developing crippling social anxiety yeah. which is why they did a voice their truth yes they mm. said am i next they use the hashtags but now mm. there's a fear indoctrination of going out socially yes. because now they had voiced it on social media mm-hmm. and, so and we, again that we we should not use it i know so many women 
have it is it is we shouldn't be doing things in a fear-based reality and that hashtag i think was just i you know i don't want to be mean to whoever created that that hashtag but we don't want to use it and we're not we're not accepting all that and i think it's important to to also use wisdom with things like that you don't want to create that fear you don't want to even for your children that are that are there for our young girls you know they see oh my goodness this is the hashtag am i next you know and they could be 12 13 14 our kids are on social media they see these things they're exposed to these things and fakira the you know it's it's incredible to think that we're coming to the end of the show but there is a final question that i actually do want to ask you and i think it's important to hear from you as well you know as a as a challenge to people of faith faith communities across the board you know we always talk about the challenges to faith communities what faith communities need to do to call out gender-based violence. You know, we talk about the preaching from the pulpit. We need to speak about these messages. We need to create these, these avenues where people can do that. That's kind of one of the things that we hear about a lot. But what would your challenge be to faith communities to begin to really, you know, be places that become places of safety where many people feel like that's not happening, become places of safety, but also what is just the challenge to people, individuals of faith, you know, in their families, with their children, with their realities and situations, what would you say would be the challenge that we need to rise up to? So I'm going to talk about, so obviously every religion, right, does not condone this kind of behavior, right? They don't condone this kind of behavior. We're not, in every religion, whether you're Jew, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, in no religious scripture does it say rape your woman. Yeah. In no religious culture does it say, you know, use um, use your, your rank as a religious leader to, to kind of manipulate the system because of your rank. So mm-hmm. what I found is that, you know, there is not a lot of education in religious organizations with regards to this mm. you know when you guys have sunday schools when we, in the muslim communities when we have you know our youth days whatever it is this is the kind of thing we need to start speaking about to our kids yeah. this is the kind of things that we need to start addressing and i'm changing the am i next um, hashtag to hashtag i am not next mm. mm-hmm. you know start using positive reinforcements start using you know religion as a backbone you know um where we can actually go to our uh, our faith leaders and tell them listen this is what's going on in our communities this is what i'm going through and actually have people that want to help and not sweep things under the carpet i use the same as saying that the time of sweeping things under the carpet is done it is done um, and I always say, whenever I go to people, people's houses, and they have welcome mat in the front of their houses, I take that carpet out. I take mm-hmm. that carpet right out <laughs> because it's the time for laminate flooring, my darling. Mm-hmm. We need to stop sweeping things under the carpet. And I think that the more that they sweep things under the carpet, it also allows our youth not to find love within religion. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Mm. It pushes them away from religion because if I can't go to my religious uh, leader and tell him that this is my issue and him not shining me away because either I'm a woman or I'm underage or whatever it is because they don't understand it, that that is that is the problem. So mm. what my suggestion would be is in our religious institutes, whatever they may be, you know, Get people, educate yourself, educate yourself. You are not too old to educate yourself about what is currently going on in order to alleviate our youth and to Mm -hmm. educate our youth and to empower our youth to stand united and not say, am I next? But Mm -hmm. I'm not next because I know who I am. I know where I come from. I know what I deserve. And it all starts either at home or going to your churches, going to your mosque, getting the word and actually, you know, them, them actually doing something about it with us, together with us and not us fighting individual battles, you know, mm. um, yeah. that is, that is my message. Educate the boy and girl child, educate your kids at home, you know, talk to them, be open with them, teach them what, what, to expect in this world so that when they go out in this world, they can be conscious leaders, knowing who they are, knowing what they deserve, knowing that, you know what, culture and religion is two different things. And within our religion, within our religious concepts, no matter what religion it is, factors like this are not condoned. Yet within Mm. culture, we need to keep quiet. Yet within culture, there's an embarrassment. So, you know, and that's why mm. I said in my piece, I'm not my culture. I'm not my clan. Yeah. Understanding yeah. that you are an individual who has gone through something, something so traumatic that we need people that are conscious minded to help and liberate our youth out of this. Yeah. And that will create a revolution in all religious aspects that the world has never seen. Mm. Conscious leaders who want to fight for not only women that have gone through this, but also fight for our boy child. Mm. Amen and amen. I love, love, love that. And again, that's what we've been saying. You know, girls and boys are the ones who are suffering as well. And yes, we talk a lot about women as survivors and we also need to talk about the men that are survivors. And those men are sitting in our in our pews. They are sitting in our youth groups. They are sitting in our Sunday schools, those boys. They're sitting there and we need to be educated. And Thakira, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. It's been really a blessing, I believe, to myself and to many who are listening. And to end off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, maybe on social media, maybe they want to find out more about your book, how can people do that? So, Lauren, this month, um, if I could just share, um, so it's my birthday month and Mm. every month, yes, every, every August, I do this campaign called No More Bleeding Cape Town. So that's a project that I'm busy with. And this is not only for women. This is not only for one religion. This is for everybody, right? Where I feel that to stop the bleeding, we need to take a stand and we need to do something that, that will help and aid those that are suffering. And who are the ones that are suffering? Our women on the streets. 
Yeah. That is where we start. So um, the projects that I'm currently busy with, you guys are welcome to check it out on my social media. I'm on Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is called Zakira Mohammed, T-H-A-A-K-R-A-H-M-O-H-A-M-E-D. Uh, it's the page. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm the Conscious Revolutionist. Um, where I would like to invite anyone who would like to be a part of change this month, we will be creating sanitary packs um, where we would be, this my, my aim and I pray from my lips to God's ears. Um, I really want to do a thousand packs this mm. month uh, where we actually go as gender-based violence victors we, we take the kids as well you know young kids and we start this revolution where we walk the streets of Cape Town and we give these packs to our homeless women on the streets mm. who are bleeding and mm. that is how we start creating change so mm. I pray and I hope that this will be a success I pray that you know with with this initiative that that we are running you know that it really creates a revolution where yeah. our women stop bleeding. Mm. And I really that. want to thank you for the opportunity, for allowing me to voice this, for being a part of my journey. Um, Lauren, you know, if people don't know who you are, I would like to tell them mm -hmm. just before we end the interview that you have saved me so many times oh. and I would mm -hmm. thank you you know you always say that you give your voice to those until they are able to get their voice back mm -hmm. so I want to thank you on this live interview for allowing me your voice until now I was ready to voice mine so oh. thank you so much for the opportunity thank and this interview I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. You have been such a blessing to me in so many ways. And I want to say, I can't believe we're coming to an end, but I want to say thank you again for being here and take care. Thank you so much, Lauren. Until we see each other again, may you be under the mercy and protection of God and to everyone else. I want to say thank you for sharing this time with me today. It's been so great. I love hearing the stories from different women about their life's journey and about how they were raised and their backgrounds and the stories that, you know, touch our hearts are the ones where we hear people overcome. I know that us in our own world, each of us in our own worlds and in our own lives have had to overcome certain things whatever those things look like it could be different for you it could be different for me it could be different for the Kira. but what we do realize is that we are women and people or people who you know on our faith journey and on our faith walk often have hurdles to overcome often have obstacles to overcome it could be you know childhood trauma it could be how we were raised it could be messages that we were given when we were young or things that we were told even when we were teenagers or teachers who broke us down or you know people in our workplace who broke us down 10 years ago now we're stuck in a rut because we have to overcome that whatever it is we know that as people of God his children we know that we are more than overcomers because he gives us strength to overcome and he gives us the ability and the power of his Holy Spirit to be able to overcome the things in our lives that you know have held us back whether it be culture whether it be false religious belief because that's also a part of what we have to uncover in our lives Maybe there's things that we've been told even about ourselves that weren't ac accurate or weren't truthful and we have to overcome those things. 
And maybe there were even religious things that we were taught that actually are not truth or not based on God's word. And you know what? It's so important that we get to a point where we can take that journey to, you know, reject the things that are false, reject the lies and receive that which is truth. And that is my prayer for you today as you are listening to me that we can take on board all of the truth that God has for us. I pray that you'll receive the truth that he has to speak about your heart and your life. And I pray that whatever the healing is that you need today, that you'll receive that healing in the mighty name of Jesus. And that we can also rise up together to be a mighty army of women, yes, and men who will overcome in this generation, overcome the social injustices that we face, overcome the gender-based violence that is so rampant in our society in our nation and that we will be a kingdom of nation builders and people who rise up to make a difference in this world and you know what i want to leave you with that blessing today and i want to pray that as we continue in the month of august that this month will be a special month for you that this moment will be a special moment for you and that god will just do great things in your life right now for you and for your loved ones and so until next week i can't wait to be with you again take care be blessed may god bless you and see you soon this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za